You're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, I want to share a message today that I really believe it's, you know, every message we share is going to be from God we trust. And um, every message is the most important message you'll ever hear because it's the Word of God. Um, but I want to speak on repentance. And and I know some, some of us, it conjures up, sometimes it's almost like a word that you wanna, don't want to use in church. Repentance, don't say that word. And I don't know why we, we do that, but um, maybe, maybe in the past we've, we've likened re- the, the word repentance to the, you know, the, um, the hell, fire and brimstone preachers. You know, repent or else you're going to hell, you know, that sort of stuff. And we, we think of that and they're spitting and screaming. And the word repentance is a powerful word for us as believers, I've been, I've known the Lord for 30 years and I still repent. Then you better know what I'm talking about. I want to show you a scripture. We're going to go through a lot of scriptures and because uh, we, we want the Word of God to speak. And also, um, I've got about 18 points, but, <laughs> but we're not going to go through 18 points. We'll continue it tonight. Just to, I want you to come back tonight. It's going to get, it's going to get even better tonight. All right. But... Um, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts, I love this, I love this scripture. It's powerful. It's in the book of Acts. And um, what it, look what it says. Verse 19, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that, or in order that, or the consequences of us repenting and being converted, is so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. The refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Why do we look forward to repenting? Because it always brings the presence of God. I want us to really capture the heart of God on this word repentance. First of all, the word repent um, actually means to change your mind, to change your thinking. That's what the actual word means. Repentance is made up of two words, but the first part is to think differently. It means to reconsider, to reconsider, to rethink something. So whenever you th- think of the word repent, think of think differently. To think differently means there's change. So when you truly repent from the heart, there's always going to be change. It's very important to understand. When I think of the word repent, I think about I need to think differently. So that the presence of the Lord may come. And I looked up the word, uh, the refreshing word. It's an interesting word. The word refreshing means literally this, the recovery of breath. And the, God's likened the word spirit, every time in the Bible, it actually means breath. The word spirit is the breath of God. Have you ever, have you ever gone on a long run and you've run out of breath? You know, like I'm, I'm talking about right at the end. like you, and, and you're no good when you run out of breath. You're not going to be much good to anyone. And you, you, just, you just can't do anything else but catch your breath. You know, like you just... And you just want to catch your breath. I mean, that's, that's the picture there is to recover your breath because you're useless when you've got no breath. And so the, 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 the breath comes from heaven. The breath of the presence of God is to recover us. And it does mean to refresh us. Because when, you, when you've cut, caught your breath... You got breath in your lungs. You got oxygen in your veins, in your blood, in your in your brain, and you, now you're strong. You're, you've been refreshed. And I, I let me say, the church of Jesus Christ in the world needs to be refreshed. Needs to catch its breath again, 
which is the breath of God, and it's going to come through us thinking differently, repenting, and saying, God, I saw that wrong. I, I messed up. I made a mistake. I sinned because I saw it my way rather than seeing it for your way. I, I want to see this situation through your eyes. That's what repentance means. It's a change of heart. It's, it's seeing things completely different. And that's why it's ongoing. It's a relationship. It's always based on relationship. We don't have religion. Man-made rules and regulations put upon people. So because it, it, it's out of revelation and it's out of relationship, Holy Spirit's going to reveal things to you that He won't do to somebody else. Or He's revealing something else to someone else because it's a change of thinking that you can't put yours onto them. You need to give people the, the space and the time to have their own relationship with the Lord. But it brings refreshing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a welcoming thing. For me, anytime the Holy Spirit convicts me of something, I don't, I don't, I don't try, I, I try not. I mean, the enemy always tries to, but I don't entertain guilt or shame. I don't entertain it because it's just not from God. So I'll say, thank you, God, for showing me that. So he just convicted me for something I did. Thank you, Lord, for show, I welcome you, Holy Spirit. Thank you. That's awesome. Show me how you see it. Yes, Lord, thank you. I, I, I turn away from that. Forgive me for seeing it that way. And I welcome that rather than feeling, oh, I feel bad. Yeah, I'm so, I'm rotten, bad sin. I'm so bad. I, I mustn't love you. And yeah, you don't love God. And I'm not going to listen to the spew of the devil vomiting on me. But I'm going to say, welcome the Holy Spirit. Like it's a beautiful thing. So I want the Holy Spirit to, I want to be open to hear his voice to convict me. All right. Repentance brings refreshing. It's throughout the whole Bible. Repentance means to change your thinking. We've got to always change our thinking right to the end. As long as you're becoming more like Jesus, you have to change and renew your mind to become more like Jesus. So we welcome that repentance. And I also want us to catch the heart of God in this, this message this morning and tonight so that our heart will be the same as His heart towards people that don't know Him yet. People that don't know Christ. People that are living in absolute darkness. How does God view them? What's His posture towards them? Because his posture and the way he sees them and views them, we should be like that. And I'll tell you, the church isn't nowhere near the way God is. We think we are. We're nowhere near it. God is merciful. God is so gracious. God, I'm, I'm telling you, God will give mercy to the worst of the sinner that you could, the worst sinner you can think of on the planet. That you think, no way, he could never be forgiven. God will forgive them if they just turn and repent. No matter what they've done. I don't care if they're the worst mafia dude, worst terrorist on the planet. I don't care if they killed millions of people. If they turn, God will accept them. If they turn, I'm talking about repentance from the heart. God will accept them. Repentance is a powerful thing. First, uh, uh, sorry, um, first point is Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Matthew chapter 3, verse 2. Now, that, what I went through, that scripture of um, repentance brings the refreshing of the Lord, is the basis of seeing repentance through God's eyes. When we repent, we're inviting the presence of God. It's a beautiful thing. Revival is not going to come without our humility of humbling ourselves and saying, God, I, I repent of this. I repent of that. I've put this in front of you. I, I've idolized that. I've made this as number one. I've given my passion, my affection to that thing rather than you. Until we turn. The re refreshing, the presence of God won't come. So if you found Matthew chapter 3, please. The, the, the very message of John the baptizer um, was repentance. He preached a baptism of repentance. His whole message was 
This is it. it says first uh, John chapter three. No, sorry, Matthew three verse two. John's message was, "Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." This is what he said. This is, he came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, "This is what he his whole message was: Repent, turn, change your thinking. Why do we change our thinking? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand." And the whole message of John. Gives you the picture of his message was to prepare the highway for the Lord. God sent a John the baptizer, the anointed fiery man of God who lived out in the wilderness and ate locusts and ate honey and wore camel's clothes. He's quite weird. But he preached a powerful message and all of Israel came out to hear him. And they all repented. There was a great move of repentance and a change of heart. This is what... Um, it talks about his, about John. It actually says that his message was to prepare the way for the Lord so that the mountains will be made straight, the crooked paths would straighten up, the valleys will be made, uh, you know, would, would, would remove. Every obstacle will be removed. That was his anointing, and his message was repentance. So repentance had to clear the way of people's hearts to get them ready for the king. The Messiah is coming. So the whole message of John was prepare the way for the Lord. Again, the refreshing of God's presence. That God's kingdom is at hand. So his message was repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. And you know what Jesus' whole message was when he was on the earth? It's found in Matthew 4 verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say. That means this was his, this was his message. Repent. Why? For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word at hand is it's, it's, it's ready. It's at hand. It means it's near. To me, I think he's saying, repent for the kingdom of God is here. He came. He's the king of the kingdom. Where's the kingdom of God? What does the kingdom of God mean? It means the domain of the king. Again, our view of the king means everything. If you think he's a harsh king, like a ruler that wants to smack you and punish you every time you do something wrong, that you will stay away from him. But you think he's a loving, merciful, gracious, kind king, full of compassion and love. And all he wants to do is love on you. God is the creator of the universe, but he created us for one reason. One reason, one reason was for intimacy and love. He wanted to have children to love until we understand how beautiful God our Father is. You know how full of joy God is? Do you know he's full of joy? He's always full of joy. He doesn't have a sad day. He doesn't have a depressed day either, ever. In Psalms, I think it's um, verse, Psalms 2 says that God laughs on his throne at his enemies. Just imagine God laughing. Imagine God the Father, <laughs> full of joy, just laughing on his throne. That's the God we serve. Him as the king, the king of kindness and of love and of mercy and grace. And he wants to be intimately, he wants to have an interaction, love with you says, repent, change your thinking because the kingdom of God is at hand. And the way the king rules is different than the way we live our life. I know I didn't know Christ. I didn't know Jesus. I, I grew up in a Catholic home. I didn't go to church until Christmas and Easter. And I lived for myself. You said I was a Christian. If you asked me if I was a Christian, I would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. But I didn't know God. I had heaps of idols in my life, actually. I, I loved a lot of things other than God. I hardly gave God any time. I hardly thought about God. I, th I thought about God when I was in trouble. 
I talked to God when I was in absolute need. Imagine talking to my wife only when I need something from her. And when I don't need anything, I totally ignore her. We wouldn't have a relationship based on love. I didn't know God. Not, most of us don't know God. We're without Christ. So when God revealed himself to me through Jesus, just talking about me, something changed my heart. My thinking shifted. It changed. People didn't have to come up to me and say, you have to, you have to give up alcohol. You know, I had girls and all that stuff, you know, sleeping around and you know, being with girls and dr- drinking and you know, all that sort of stuff. And nightclubbing, breakdancing, selfishness. I just, me on my, I was on my throne. That my pleasure was everything. Everything about me. Until something changed when I saw Jesus, what he did for me on the cross and how he died for me and he paid a price and he, he died in my place. And love turned, I don't know how to explain it because God did it. But love, I fell in love with Jesus and what he did. I gave up those things automatically. No one said to me, now that you're a Christian, you shouldn't be doing this, that, and that. You can't do this. You can't let go of that. And I actually, I remember asking, look, I'm a fashion designer. Do I need to leave my fashion designing? And they go, it depends if God's saying that. Because see, I was fashion designing all for myself, my glory, my selfish ambition. I wanted to get a name for myself. I wanted to be famous. It was all wrong motives. That's why I was asking. And you know what? I gave that up on my own because that died. I'm trying to help us see repentance comes from the inside. It comes inwardly when you change your thoughts about God. Your thinking changes and say, Jesus, you're the magnificent one. You're number one in my life. I don't want these things. These don't satisfy. That doesn't give me satisfaction. And it just dropped off. God is far greater and far better than the things that the world can give me. So when we talk about repentance, it's always a beautiful thing. It depends how we view it. The kingdom of God is at hand. I don't know. Why should the kingdom of God cause us to repent? Because his kingdom, the way he rules his kingdom, the the rulership of the king is completely different than what I've ever been exposed to and what I've known. He's such a beautiful king, a loving king, a kind king. And I want to know him. So I want to change my thinking. If this thinking is perverted, twisted, that's what wicked means. Wicked means twisted, perverted. It's not the right way. It's perverted to God's way. So wickedness is that's what it means, perverted. So I want to change my thinking to see God's way. And we, we welcome the kingdom of God. Number two is found in Matthew 3, verse 8. This is John the baptizer. When he's baptizing, everyone was coming out to be baptized. I mean, people started getting baptized because everyone else was getting baptized. It became the cultural thing to do. Everyone's doing it. What's happening? Everyone's going to John the baptizer. I mean, you know, he's, the, you know, he's, he's preaching this powerful message. He's saying this, this, and that. And, and everyone's getting baptized. Well, they all came. People that didn't even repent started getting baptized. Why, why do I know that? Verse 8, he goes, are we in Matthew 3? Verse 8. Therefore, John says, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not think to yourselves, oh, we, have, we are Abraham's. We, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. He's basically saying, look, at verse 7, he says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to be baptized, he said to them, Brood of vipers, brood of snakes, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? In other words, he could see that they haven't changed. He goes, therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Repentance, true repentance of the heart always has real fruits. Repentance is from the heart. So when you receive the seed of God, the seed of God's word, and the seed comes into your heart and it changes the way you see things, your perspective, the way you you think, it changes, the fruit will come. They had no fruit. He goes, 
So bear fruit worthy of repentance. When, when God does something in your heart, you just, it does. Like I said to my, about myself, you just let go of things. And I don't need someone that, you know, we don't have to run on, oh, you, need to, you shouldn't be doing that. Because it's a relationship and they need to get the revelation for themselves. You need to make sure that they get it from God because they stop because you told them to stop. They'll stop for your sake when you're around and then they'll do it when you're not around because there wasn't true repentance. That's religion. We're good at that. But I'm talking about relationship with the lover, with the Lord who is the, our lover. And giving us the freedom to have that intimate love relationship with Him. And when it's real, when it happens from God's point of view and God speaks to you, fruit just happens. Because the roots produce the fruit. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruits. You know, you're not going to get fruit from a thorn bush, He says. Or from thistles. You get in a good tree, if it's good in its fruit, roots and it's healthy in its roots, it's got good fruit. And a bad tree, if it's corrupt, if it's rotten in its roots and diseased, will have bad fruit. You should know them by their fruits. True relationship with God is going to have true fruits to love God. That's it. It's important to see this because I'm telling you, when you go through the Word of God, I went through every single scripture on repentance and repent on, in the New Testament. God's so good about the Word of God because He puts every perspective and angle and um, what's the word, motive, reasoning, how you get it, what happens if this happens. It tells you everything you need to know. Do you understand that? When you do a word study on a particular subject, if you go through it thoroughly enough, you'll, you'll catch the heart of God and you'll find out everything you need to know. Repentance is foundational. It's our foundation. That's found in uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Don't lay again the foundation of repentance from dead, from dead works. So repentance is a foundational thing. If we don't get repentance right, and because it's a foundation, you always have to lay down your foundation. If you want to get a bigger building, go deeper. So just because I've been a Christian for 30 years, it doesn't mean I can't lay a better foundation. No, I laid that foundation in 1987, thank you very much. I don't have to know about repentance. What are you talking about? You need, you need to know the spirit of it, the heart of it. Every time we bow to the knee of Jesus, our knee to King Jesus, and He shows me something that I didn't see before, and I submit to His way, I just repented. I might not have cried. Oh, forgive me, God. You know, there. Are, you know, it's another point because it talks about godly sorrow leads to repentance, but sorrow by itself is not true repentance. But that's number thirteen. Maybe you have to come back for tonight for that one. <laughs> um, Let's move on, number three, Matthew 3, verse 11. Look at, the, look at this. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, John says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy, worthy, worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. What, what's he saying? I baptize you with water unto repentance. I've come to preach a baptism of repentance. My whole message is repentance, John's saying. Why? Because I had to lay the foundation so the one who does come, he baptizes you with the Holy Spirit. Remember, repentance brings the refreshing. The whole message of John was to lay the foundation, make the crooked path straight, get rid of the mountains, get out of the way because the king's coming. So if we truly know how to repent and walk in that spirit of repentance, the baptism of the Holy Spirit will always come. Fresh baptism, an infilling of the Holy Spirit, a constant infilling. I want to be more filled today than I was yesterday. I want to be hungrier today. 
It's easy to get, take God for granted. You know that. It's easy to take His presence for granted. Be a Christian for a year, you take Him for granted. I've got the Holy Spirit. Oh, you've got the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit lives in us. And I'm, I'm, we all have taken Him for granted, 100%. There's nothing wrong with that because we do, but we've got to learn not to. Say, so God, your presence. So, but my spirit of repentance, when I understand changing my thinking, will always bring God's baptism of the Holy Spirit. If the church is going to be freshly baptized with the Holy Spirit, we need to be baptized with, 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 with repentance. Understanding it correctly, though. Number four is found in Matthew 9, verse 13. Matthew 9. It says, let's read it from verse 12. Actually, let's read it from verse 11. The Word of God's too good. You just have to. Uh, and when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Ha! See, now that he got blamed for hanging out with sinners, he got attacked for it. Because the religious leaders of the day thought, If he's a real man of God, he wouldn't hang around with the sinners. I see, they missed the heart of God. Remember what I was saying about God's posture towards. God's posture towards the sinner. When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician. I mean, if those that are healthy don't need a doctor, but those who are sick. Now he's trying to say, what are you talking about? I'm not, uh, my message isn't to the righteous. My message of mercy is to the sinner. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but I've come to call the sinner to repentance. I'm a doctor. He's basically saying, I'm fixed people that are in trouble. But I'm not going to go to the ones that are healthy and whole. I go to the sick. I've, I have to hang out with the sick because I've got a message to help them. And he says, mercy. You know, he goes, look what I'm, he goes, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. God's desire is to give mercy to sinners. That just breaks my heart to think, wow, if we only knew that and understood that. God's desire is to give mercy to sinners. Well, once they stop sinning, and then they'll give mercy? Or as a sinner? What's God's posture? When, God sees, when Jesus sees Zacchaeus up on a tree and sees his desire and humility to see Jesus, he goes, today I'm going to eat at your place. And Jesus starts walking with him. And because of the very presence of Jesus, the king, this guy starts to repent all over. I mean, he goes, half of my goods I'm going to give to the poor. And if I've stolen everything, I'm going to give them four times back. So Jesus didn't say, hang on a sec. If you change, I'll come to your house. If you repent, turn away from your wickedness, then I'll come. He just says, I look towards you. If, if I can have Sal here. Imagine Sal typifies a broken sinner who's twisted and he's disabled. Get on your knees. He, he can't help himself. He's just a mess. He's broken in every way. He's got a, a, a vodka bottle there. He's just... What's God's posture on a sinner? Is it like this? Get rid of your sin. Get rid of it and I'll, I'll, I'll turn around and have a relationship with you. Now, first of all, think about that, that whole thought. If he can give, get rid of his sin in his own strength, without God then we wouldn't need Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. Because just clean up your life on your own. When you've cleaned yourself up, then come to me and I'll show you mercy. 
Mercy, if that's, the tr- if that's the case, if he has to clean up his life in his own strength, he'd have to work for my mercy if I was God. He'd have to be good enough, earn it, because it cleans up his life. At what point does God's posture is actually towards the sinner and his hands, ex- I believe his hands are like that, like embracing, come and embrace. So you obviously have to help him up off, off his thing first. While he's sinning, he's doing this. While he's sinning, he says, my arms are here, I embrace you. And he says, come. And then all of a sudden, my presence, if, if I was God's mercy is touching him, because I'm saying, come, my mercy is here for you. My grace, my love, my power, my holiness, my righteousness. And I'm here, you just have to accept it. If he accepts it, he receives all the strength, all the presence, all the power, all the spirit that he needs to get up and walk as a whole man. When he gets up and walks like a whole healthy man. When you, get, when you understand that correctly, why would he ever want to go back to that broken, sinful life? Twisted life. When you understand that's, that's God's posture towards the sinner. It's so easy to us to think, no, it's only when we clean up our life, then God will show mercy. He, he'll show, he's already shown mercy. He already died on the cross for our sins. Why were we yet sinners? He's already poured out his love for us. How should the church be to people that don't know Jesus? To the worst of the worst sinners. We should just be loving, embracing, and not one inkling of, you filthy sinner, I'm a righteous person. No, that's, that's self-righteousness. That stinks in the heart of God, I believe. But when you understand this gospel correctly, and the gospel is the good news, what he did for us on the cross, when you understand it, you realize, I didn't do a thing to deserve it or earn it. I haven't done anything. I just received. And then I'd never have an inkling of I'm better than anyone else. I've just accepted the forgiveness of God, the grace of God, His mercy towards us. He gives mercy to the sinner. He's extended it. It's so important to understand these things because the church's heart has to open up. God shows mercy to a, a, a city like Nineveh who was the enemy of God who are wicked, idol worshippers. And he goes, God says to, to Jonah, Jonah, they don't even know their left hand from their right hand. You have to go tell them they have to repent or else they're going to be destroyed. God wants to show mercy to a whole city. And Jonah didn't even have enough love to even go there. He runs away from God. That's like us sometimes, eh? God wants to show mercy. We don't want to tell them. Wow. Just tell them God's a merciful, loving God. They've got to see God's mercy and grace in us. It's just oh, it's so important to understand the heart of God, to see while I was a sinner, He extended His love towards me. That's why I opened up. Amen? I mean, I had one of my best friends. He came to church with me the first time, and I went back the next week. He didn't come back. He was my best friend at the time, and years later, I witnessed to him heaps of times, wrote letters to him, tried to speak to him all the time. And one time, many years later, he goes, Leo, I want you to read the Bible. I want you to, stu- I want you to do a, study, a Bible study with you because I want to know all the answers when I come to church. Um, I'm not ready right now because I've I, I got to give up this. I've got to give up my drug. He, he didn't want to be a hypocrite, he says. I want to give up my smoking dope. I want to give up my drinking. I want to give up my lifestyle before I come to church because, see, again, he's got it wrong. He's thinking he can do that in his own strength. If you could do that in your own strength, you wouldn't need His mercy and grace and power and Jesus to die on the cross. You have to surrender as you are and say, God, I, I come to you as I am. You know, Luke chapter, this is number five, sorry. Luke chapter 15 verse seven says, I say to you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents. 
more than over 99 that just persons which need no repentance. This point is, the, the point number five is the value of a soul. That in heaven, Jesus says there's joy when one person repents. Think of the value of a, of a person if heaven, all of heaven, I believe all of heaven rejoices when just one person repents and gives their life to Jesus. I want us to see the value. And also joy is connected to what we value. Why they release joy in heaven when one person turns? Because a person is valuable. Your joy is always connected to value, what you value. That's why you've got to value godly things, kingdom things, to, to continue and consistently have joy. But let's talk about the value of a soul. I believe with all my heart that, that a person is eternally valuable in the heart of God. Eternally. There's no cost on a soul. It's not, there's, not, there's nothing that God won't do to regain us. And that's why I've said many, many, many times, and you've probably heard other people preach many, many times, that if you were the last person on the planet left to die for, there's no one else to die for. Jesus, you know, let's say no one else but just you. Jesus would have lived the 33 years of his life, perfect, holy, sinless life, and die on the cross, that cruel death, just to give you a chance to repent and give your life back to him. Just you. See, we, we, we mix ourselves up with, oh, but Leo, there's, seven to eight, there's about 8,000 million people on the planet right now. Plus, there's been millions of people since Jesus until now. I feel like I'm a number. I'm just no one. I'm just one person. I'm just a number. We get lost in the number of billions of people. But God, I'm telling you, would do it just for you. You have to believe that. His love for you is so pure, so, you're so valuable. He would die on the cross just to give you a chance to say no. To say no to sin and say yes to Jesus. Amen. Jesus went to hell for us. Took the keys of death and hell and strips, stripped the authority of Satan so that we could be free. Defeated sin on our behalf. That's the value of a soul. You can't place a value on a, on a person. So if God values, how much should we value? God values you. God values people that don't yet know Him in the same manner. The value of a soul is so powerful. Number six is uh, Luke 24, verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations. All nations means all nations. Um, that's Luke. I think in Matthew says, Go into the, all the world and preach the gospel to every person. So preach the gospel, the good news. Here it says that uh, remission, uh, the forgiveness of sins Remission of sins should be preached in His name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And what's this point? This point, I believe, is, is the fact that this gospel has to be preached to all nations. In other words, it's the only gospel, the good news, that, that Jesus died on the cross is what saves people from going to hell for all eternity. When you're God, now please hear what I'm saying when I'm talking about Jesus. When you're God, when you're Jesus, and you just did what you did, you, you became sin for humanity, you were sinless, you, didn't even, you never ever sinned, but you died on the cross as if you were the sinner. You paid the penalty for all of humanity, not just the people there, but every single person that ever lived on the planet. He was our identification. He identified himself with mankind. He was our substitute. He sacrificed his life and was con consumed the judgment of God against humanity. He consumed it so God could forgive us. He stripped Satan of, of his authority. He's got all authority on the heaven and earth, and there's only one way to heaven, that's through Jesus, believing in Jesus. That's why he goes... To, to the, his commission was going to the whole world. God's heart 
starts, our commissioning, what you're commissioned to do is the whole world. You've got to receive that. Not just receive, you've got to believe it and then live it out. The reason why it's important is because when we, if Jesus said, go into the, your neighborhood and just reach your neighbors. Just, just, just reach the people that you have influence over. Or just reach the spheres of society that you might influence. If he did say that, when we go to heaven, we could have actually accomplished that. We could have said, we reached everybody we knew, our neighborhood. We even reached every influence I had over all the people that I met in my life. We, we could have given them the gospel. They might have rejected it, but we reached everybody. We could have said, we've done it. But God went all the way. When you're God, you can't say it any other way. You can't diminish that mission because, it's the, because so much is at stake. He had to say to every single believer, go into the whole world and preach this gospel to every person. Everyone who believes will be saved and who doesn't believe will be damned. I'm trying to help us see that God's vision for the whole world to be saved has to become our vision. That's why we travel. You think, oh, well, why, do you go to, why, why care about anyone else on the other side of the world? Because God cares. God cares for people in other countries as much as He cares for you in this country. And something about the heart of God you catch when you go and preach and help people. It's not, is it just the nation? No, it's the neighbors and the nations. It's together. It's not just, oh, I'll reach my neighbors and don't worry about the nations. No, I'll reach the nation, don't worry about my neighbors. No, reach neighbors and nations at the same time. It's at the same time. But th- why, that, why that's important is it's, we've got the gospel that saves. And we should never forget that. Eternity is a long time. Don't get a second chance. It's appointed unto man to die once, and after that, the judgment. Just quickly, number seven. It's found in Acts verse 5, verse 31. Repentance is granted, or repentance is given by God. It's a gift from God, if I can say it that way. It's a gift. It's not something you can be entitled. You're not entitled, or you can't earn it. When I think of entitlement, it's like, I can repent anytime I want. I just repent when I want, anytime I choose, I got control of my destiny. Or I earn it by I'll be good enough and then God will forgive me. So you can't, it's a gift. You've got to see it as a gift. It's granted by God. We've got a season on this earth that we have time by God and graced by God, gifted by God, that we can repent. It says here in verse 31, Him have God exalted with His right hand, talking about Jesus, to be a prince and a saviour. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. To give means to be granted. And there's a lot of other scriptures that talk about God giving repentance as a gift. It's a gift. Now that's so important because we sometimes think, I'm young. I'm really young. I'm going to just go out in the world. I'm just going to, you know, I know this is true, but I'm going to go out in the world because I just want to go out and have fun. I just want to go live my life and I'll come back. You can't gamble with your eternity. Why I'm saying that is because you've got all the intentions in the world to come back. I've seen people say, I've got to do HSC. They're teenagers. They go, God touched them. God saved them. They felt God's presence. They felt forgiven. Everything. And they, I just got to study and do my HSC and then I'll come back after that. We never saw them after that. How many times has that happened where people go, oh, I just gotta, I'm young. I'm going to go play the field, play the world. I'm going to enjoy everything. I know there's a true. I'll come back later. You can't guarantee that. It's not guaranteed. I'm telling you, why isn't it guaranteed? Because you can fall into deception. Your heart can get hardened. You can fall into pride. You can get to the place where you get so deceived. I don't even need it anymore. Well, everyone's saved. I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm not that bad. It's granted and gifted so you can receive it. Gift from God. 
Don't play with it. I'm not saying you can't come back. Many have come back. But don't gamble with eternity. Many have come back. I know that. But I'm telling you, there's no guarantee that your heart, your heart will be in the right place in five years' time, in ten years' time. And you can't play with eternity. You can't say, well, I'll, I'll just live my life any old way. And right at the end, I mean, come on, you think you're going to trick God? Right at the end, when I die on my deathbed, I'll repent and then God will accept me. I mean, God is very merciful. I believe there's millions of deathbed conversions. I really do. I believe he'll just take you if you, you know, say yes to him right at the end. But don't play with your eternity. It's a, it's a gift that's by God's grace. Can't earn it. Can't, can't, it's not entitled. It can't be good enough to earn you know, forgiveness. That's true of our walk with God is just walk with God in the sense it's gifted, it's grace. God, if I feel God's presence convicted me, I welcome it and I want it. Amen? All right, I'm going to have to close. We'll have to get through. How many? Eleven tonight. Praise God. <laughs> Father, let's just pray. This is so, so important to catch this the heart of how God sees repentance because it's foundational if I can say this because some of you won't be able to come back tonight the Bible says very very clearly it's repentance towards God he's a person he's, a, he's our father he's a, a relationship why is that important because people come to church they repent they change their thinking remember it means change your thinking I change my thinking you know because my kids need God my kids need church. They need Christianity. I've got children now. All of a sudden, you know, married people get kids. I'm going to come to church because they need it. If you're coming, it's not repentance towards God. It's repentance towards your children. You're coming for your kids' sake. It doesn't hold water in the long run usually. I mean, it can. God gets a hold of your heart in the meantime. Sometimes people come to God because their life's a mess. The absolute mess like uh, Sal was. Like, you, you know, you're broken. You're twisted. You're wrecked. you and, and you say, God, I need you to fix my life. And you come to God, and that's great. God takes every hook he could take, I'm telling you. He'll take any motive. I went to church, I went back because there were good-looking girls there. I went back, I'm telling you. If they weren't good-looking girls, I would not have gone back. I know my heart. And God still got me 30 years later. So I'm not saying that he can't take wrong motives. He does all the time. But the foundation, the right foundation is towards God. Not... Uh, even success, I'll, I'll give it to God because God's going to give me the ways of success and I'll be prosperous and God will teach me all this. Wrong motive. He'll take you and take you into the journey of getting a revelation It's towards God and, and I don't want to sin because it grieves your heart and it hinders our relationship. Amen? There's a lot more. We'll go into it tonight, but let's pray. Oh, Father God, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace, Lord, that you grace us to repent, to change our thinking. Father, as a church right now, we welcome Holy Spirit to convict us every time we do something that's contrary to your kingdom, to the King, this beautiful, gracious, loving, kind King, whose face is towards us, who smiles, whose arms are wide open, embracing us. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to convict us. We, we welcome you to um, show us when we do wrong or when we mess up or when we sin. And we will turn, we will repent, we will change our thinking and renew our mind to your word. So, Father, we thank you, Holy Spirit, ongoingly, right to the end, right until Jesus comes back. You'll continually work with us, Holy Spirit, to convict us, to reveal Jesus, to reveal the judgment 
the prince of this world has already charged the enemy. And Father, we thank you for Holy Spirit convicting us to know Jesus better. We thank you. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.